Do you want to empower families and young people in your community? Then take the time to make a tax-deductible contribution to the Coach Tate Fund. The Coach Tate Foundation is dedicated to helping young people and their families in learning and passing on the kinds of life skills that we all need to succeed. All too often, we hear about kids and their families having encountered life's difficulties that could have been easily avoided by knowing better decision-making skills. From anger management to money management to something as simple as learning to manage how we spend our time or how we use our job skills. Make a donation to the Coach Tate Fund. It'll help kids who need help and their families too. Make your contribution to the Coach Tate Fund. Get details at www.coachtatefoundation.com. And oh, by the way, thank you. May the words of our mouth and the meditations of our hearts Be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Good morning. It's family time. And welcome back, listeners. Our topic for today is the vision provision on our pathway forward. Let's take a look at the book of Habakkuk, the second through the third verses. And it reads as such, Then the Lord answered me and said, quote, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, Wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry, unquote. What does that really mean? As Habakkuk surveyed the raging international scene and the wickedness, the misery and injustice that was infiltrating the kingdom of Judah, he was deeply concerned about the spiritual decline of God's people and pleaded to God for help. But God's apparent indifference confused this prophet as he witnessed the arrogant assault of evil acts of their enemies and the helplessness of his own people. Habakkuk was bewildered that God did not act on behalf of his errant yet exploited people. For the Assyrian enemy was so assaulting them, was cruel to the extreme. This great watchman on the wall was a sincere intercessor for Israel, but he records that it was too painful for him until he went into the sanctuary of the Lord. There, he discovered that God was not indifferent to the suffering of his people, but came to understand that the Lord had appointed a glorious time when he would save his people from their sins rescue them from their enemies, and wipe away every tear from their eyes. In Habakkuk's day, things were to get worse before they got better, and he was called to live by his faith, to trust the Lord, who is faithful to rescue his people and true to his word. And that same principle is true for Christians in the church, dissipation today. God is faithful to carry out his plans and purposes at his appointed time. 
and to finish the good work he has started in the lives of all his children. But in this world, we will have tribulation and trials, and the Christian life is not a bed of roses, as is so often taught today. But we are to be of good cheer, for Christ has overcome this world and has gone to prepare a place for us. The future vision that was given to Habakkuk was and has been increasingly revealed to us through the completed Canaan of Scripture. The vision of Israel's rescue and reconciliation is set at God's appointed time. The Lord is true to his word, and although it is to tarry, the nation is to wait for it, for it will surely come and will not tarry. God has not only set an appointed time to complete his work through Israel, he also has his time set to fulfill his specific plans through the church. We, the people, are the church. And though as Christians we are living through a season of wickedness, misery, and injustice, where the most evil acts of the enemy are being perpetrated against believers and innocent children, we should never forget that the Lord is not slow about his promise to us, as some count slowness, but is patient toward us, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. God desires that all men are saved and that his born-again children mature in the faith, grow in grace, look to Jesus, and in the power of the Holy Spirit are being conformed day by day into the image and the likeness of Jesus Christ. My prayer listeners, Heavenly Father, thank you for the many precious promises you have made to we, your people, Israel, and to those that are in the body of Christ, knowing that what you have started, you will surely complete to your praise and glory. Give us patience, Lord, as we wait for your appointed time. And may we occupy wisely as we wait for the fulfillment of your plans and purposes in our individual lives and in the wider body of Christ, the church, we the people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, listeners, what does it mean that without vision, the people perish? Well, the King James Version of Proverbs 29:18 says this, quote, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he, unquote. Some have used this verse to emphasize the importance of vision in leadership. Without a long-term plan, without a vision, people are doomed to wander aimlessly, of course, it is true that having an idea of where one is headed helps in getting there. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen is not talking about having a business or ministry vision. Other translations of the Bible help clarify the point of Proverbs twenty nine eighteen for modern readers. The NIV puts it this way, quote, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction, unquote. Now, the ESV version has this, quote, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed 
is he who keeps the law, unquote. The quote vision in this verse refers to a divine communication as from a dream, a revelation, or a prophecy. The same Hebrew word used in Proverbs 29:18 is found in 1 Samuel 3:1 in the context of the rarity of the word of the Lord and the infrequency of prophetic visions. It is also used to introduce the prophetic books of Isaiah and Obadiah and several of the visions of Daniel. Lack of vision then is a lack of God's revelatory word. Proverbs 29, 18 says that, quote, the people perish, unquote, where there is no vision. The word translated perish or cast off restraint in the original means to loosen and thus to expose or uncover. The same Hebrew word is used in Exodus 32:25 during the golden calf incident. Quote, Moses saw that the people were running wild and that Aaron had let them get out of control and so become a laughing stock to their enemies, unquote, emphasis added. It is also used in Leviticus regarding uncovering one's head or letting one's hair hang loose, Leviticus 10, 6, and 13, 45, and 21, 10. Other proverbs use the same word to denote, quote, ignoring or neglecting instruction. Proverbs 1.25 and 8.33, and avoiding the path of the wicked, Proverbs 4.15. With this, we understand that without the word of God, people are loose. That is, they go their own way. They live without restraint. Ultimately, living in such a way will lead to death because to ignore God's way is to get, ignore the way of life. Romans 6, 23. So what is the remedy to such lethal waywardness? The next part of Proverbs 29, 18 tells us, quote, blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction, unquote. We are blessed when we keep God's directives. Psalm 19 elaborates on the perfection and trustworthiness of God's word. His precepts, quote, are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes, Psalm 19.8. David, the psalmist here, goes on to describe God's decrees as, quote, more precious than gold and sweeter than honey, verse 10. He writes, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is a great reward, verse 11. Least anyone be confused. This is not a call to legalism. Life is not found in our ability to obey a list of do's and don'ts. In Psalm 19, we see indications of relationship with God. David talks about the fear of the Lord, being pure, verse 9. He calls himself God's servant, and he calls God his Lord, my rock and my redeemer, verse 14. When Jesus named the greatest commandment, he referred to the command to love God. Mark 12, 28 through 34. Our obedience to God and our keeping of his word flow from a relationship in which we are loved by God and we love him in return. Now, Hebrews 1, 1 through 2 says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets. 
at many times and in various ways. But in these days, last days that we're in, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also made the universe. Jesus has come into the world as the living word of God. God has also given us the written word, the Bible. When we fail to read God's word, listeners, and live it out in our lives, we become people without a vision. And when we ignore God's word, we begin to live uh, life without restraint to our own peril. Conversely, when we heed God's word, we are blessed. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete, John 15, 9 through 11. God has given us his word, listeners, and he calls us to be faithful to it. In keeping God's word, we will find joy in him. Amen. To everybody who enjoys listening and learning with Minister Francina Horace, your generous donation is what supports your ongoing family and youth ministry on and off the air. You can donate by going to CoachTateFoundation.com, which is CoachTateFoundation.com, and press donate. If you want to learn more about Francina, you can go to www.francina.com, which is www.phrantcena.com. Thank you, and God bless. Now, welcome back, listeners. Let's notate what the scripture says about finding God's vision for our lives. Have you ever wondered where God is leading you? Do you ever wish he would just show you? Well, throughout history, many people have been shown literal visions of God's will, images and words that communicated God's plans. Sometimes God uses symbolism to illustrate his will, as he did in John's vision in Revelation. Other times, God speaks plainly, as he did when speaking to Ananias about Saul. Though such visions are rare, there are many scriptures on vision we can learn from in seeking God's will for our life's vision. Number one, listeners, let's notate. What does the Bible say about visions and goals? Well, God often used visions to call people to a specific task or purpose. Abraham and Samuel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Zechariah, and Cornelius are just a few examples of believers called to a specific task through a literal vision from God. When God gave biblical believers a vision, they knew the direction they had to move to follow God's purpose in their lives. Abraham knew he needed to travel to Canaan. Jeremiah knew he needed to share God's message with his people. Zechariah knew he and his wife needed to prepare for having a son. In a similar way, many of us desire a, quote, vision for our lives, a picture of what we think God wants us to become or achieve, unquote. It's good to have a vision, listeners. As reminded in Proverbs 29, 18, it warns that without a vision, people perish. Jesus wants us to think seriously about the implications of following him before we commit. Luke 14, 25, 35. 
Scripture calls us to build our goals on things of lasting value and to fix our eyes on Christ and the joy that that is to come. Matthew six nineteen through twenty one. Living life aimlessly is a far cry from a purposeful Christian walk. However, listeners, a misguided vision can become an obstacle rather than an asset to the Christian walk. Now, let me say that again, listeners. A misguided vision can become an obstacle rather than an asset to the Christian walk. Ambition, jealousy, pride, greed, and many other desires compete with and twist our desires to honor God. James 3, 14 through 15, Philippians 2, 3, and 1. Sometimes even well-meaning goals may take us down the wrong path, listen, if we ignore God's guidance. Paul longed for his Jewish brothers and sisters to come to the faith, Romans 9, 1 through 5. Early in his ministry, he assumed he would be a witness to his Jewish friends, his family, and fellow Pharisees. Everyone who knew how harshly he opposed Christianity and how drastically he changed. However, God spoke to Paul in a vision, calling him to the Gentiles instead, Acts twenty-two seventeen through 21. If Paul had followed his own vision rather than God's visionlessness, the history of Christianity would have turned out very differently than we know it today. Time and time again, Scripture reminds us of the limitation of human goals and the need for God's involvement in our lives. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain, Psalm 127.1. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is of the Lord's purpose that prevails. Proverbs 19.21. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say this. If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. James 4, 13 through 15. Quote, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, and give over my body the hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. These verses remind us that God desires us more than our accomplishments. He wants our love and our obedience, not just our achievements. Like Mary at the feet of Jesus, he wants us to seek him and make our time available to him, Luke 10, 38, 42. Now, if we've lost sight of our true vision, listeners, 
our relationship with our Lord and Savior, then how can we claim to be serving him with our goals? Now, number three, listen, let's notate. How can we know if a vision is from God? Well, on occasion, we may hear people claim, quote, God revealed this to me, unquote. We ourselves may even feel God has given us some specific insight or direction. But how can we know for sure this new vision is from God? It's true that God promises us wisdom and direction through his Holy Spirit, John 14, 26, and Luke 12, 12. He certainly has the power to speak directly to us, just as he did in the Bible. However, not every feeling, voice, or revelation people experience today is from God. Jeremiah 23, 16, 1 Timothy 4 and 3. And we're told not to believe every spirit, but to test them. 1 John 4, 1 through 6. The difficulty is, how do we do that? The first and easiest way to hold up a vision to Scripture. The Bible tells us firmly that we should not expect new revelations to change the gospel or contradict Scripture. Galatians 1, 6 through 9, and Revelations 22, 18. We are even told specifically that the Holy Spirit only speaks God's truth, and we may know God is unchanging. If any vision claims otherwise, we can be confident that it is false. In the same way, if Scripture supports the vision and encourages us in pursuing it, we can become more confident that it is from God. Often, though, a vision is too specific to a situation for Scripture to speak to it directly. Is God calling me to buy a house here or move to Michigan? Does God want me to be a biologist or a math teacher? Does God want me to pursue this relationship further or cut it off? In these situations like this, prayer should be our constant companion, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. James 1.5 promises that God gives us wisdom generously to any one of us who asks him. And in Luke 11.13, Jesus encourages us to ask our Heavenly Father for his Holy Spirit. Prayer not only invites God to take action, but it also prepares our heart for whatever answer God may give us. The closer we grow to God, listeners, the clearer our vision is of his will. There's another way to clarify God's vision for our lives, other believers. Often a mature Christian mentor can see things about us and our walk with God that we don't recognize ourselves. Proverbs is full of verses about the wisdom of seeking advice. However, we must be discerning in who we allow to influence us. People pleasing prevent us from serving God. And unwise friendships lead to unwise decisions. Galatians 1.10 and Proverbs 13.20. Number four, listen, what if I can't find God's vision for my life? Each of us has times in our life where we don't feel like we're really in our sweet spot. Maybe we're working in a job we don't like, or we're going through some health issues, or a relationship fell apart, or we simply don't feel like we're getting anywhere or accomplishing anything for God's kingdom. In times like that, it can be hard to find God's vision for the future. We may feel we've tried everything, studying scripture, prayer, seeking advice from friends, family, and spiritual leaders, but we're still stuck in the same rut. Why hasn't God led us to something more? Times like these can be painful, listeners, discouraging, and sometimes simply frustrating, but we're not alone in our experiences. 
Many famous biblical figures had long periods of waiting. Abraham was 75 when God promised him he would be the father of a great nation, but years passed. Abraham and Sarah grew older, and God still didn't give them a child. Abraham lived as a shepherd, waiting year after year. It was 25 years later when Sarah was too old to have a child that God miraculously fulfilled his promise. Before he became king, David spent years running from Saul's efforts to kill him. First Samuel 27, 1 Samuel 27.1.7, there was a quick solution to David's way to kill Saul. Twice David had the opportunity to kill him, but he refused. David knew that Saul had been appointed as a king by God, and he knew God would remove Saul from the kingship when the time was right. So he waited. Perhaps the greatest example of faithful waiting is Jesus. Even though he was the most important person ever lived, and even though his ministry was the most transformational the world had ever experienced, Jesus didn't begin his ministry until he was 30 years old. What did he do before that time? He worked in his father's trade, the God of the universe, the God who created crafted galaxies, spent half his life either creating crafted furniture as a carpenter or building walls as a stonemason, Mark 6, 3. What is God's vision? Not every vision God set in Scripture was, a, was specific to an individual. Many of the impactful visions in Scripture conveyed God's greater plans for the world. Through vision, God inspires us to fulfill the great commission. He strengthens our faith, listeners, in his plans and reminds us of his love for us. This vision, more than any personal goal or desire, should drive the way we live our lives. As we learn to value what God values, our vision will align more powerfully with his. Tim Pace. Amen. Homework listeners, are we ready and prepared to be God's vision, provision today for our next generation? How can we lead others in God's vision provision when we can't lead or fail? What does your own vision look like, listener? What does it sound like? What does it smell like, taste like, feel like? And what does your own vision provision sense like? Are you paying attention? When people can see themselves in your vision, they will become a part of your provision. Amen. Our closing poem for today is submitted by Chewy Amate, and it's entitled God's Vision for Us and of Us. Show me bad, and I'll show you a drop of goodness hiding. Show me rotten, and I'll show you strong character. Show me sorrow, and I'll paint for you a better tomorrow. Show me cold, and I will enlighten a path to warmth. Show me anger. And I'll show you passion in there and perhaps a redirection. Show me too fat and I'll show you amazing curves and power. Show me loud and I'll show you proud. Show me blood and I'll show you life. Show me bitter and I'll show you victimhood non-serving, followed by the freedom and then happiness. Show me disaster and I'll show you opportunity. Show me broken and I'll see repaired. Show me your life's verse and I'll not be too terse. And show me and I'll reflect God's vision of thee. Amen. 
family with the dynamic new book by Francina Holrus, Our Sixth Sense and Purpose, The Power in Knowing Who You Are. It's the book that gives you insights into life's problems. Francina Holrus is an author, motivational speaker, and national broadcaster who believes the answers to your problems lies within the knowledge that was once traditionally passed down by families. But that knowledge has been short-circuited by today's faster pace. The book, Our Sixth Sense and Purpose, The Power in Knowing Who You Are, brings that accumulated wisdom to the problems that all families face. You'll find Find your copy of our sixth sense and purpose, the power in knowing who you are at Amazon and at better bookstores. Empower your life with the dynamic new book, Our Sixth Sense and Purpose, The Power in Knowing Who You Are by Francina Holrus.